Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Well, good day, everyone, brothers and sisters. This is Pastor Daniel Wright and my lovely wife, Miranda Wright. Hey, guys. Welcome to Heart of Worship Church podcast. And uh, for today, we're going to be talking about grace, that amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like us. So without his grace, we could not be saved. And I thank God for that. Well, talking about grace, uh, of course, there's so many different references that we can talk about, uh, at least in our own local congregation. This is a message that God has been giving us for many years. The Bible does tell us uh, that we should not frustrate the grace of God. So that implies what? That there's an actual biblical sound doctrinally way to handle the grace of God. So what is God's grace? Well, many of us know the favor, but what I have found in my living, no one really understands the essence of his grace in terms of the power of God that comes with his favor. When we become adopted sons and daughters at salvation, he equips us with his spirit, and that is it in and of itself the grace of God that hath appeared unto all men. So kicking things off, I'd like to read out of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 5, kicks things off. It says, of such an one I will glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. The Apostle Paul is talking to the church of Corinth, and this is expressing his humility. Verse 6, For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that heareth of me. Again, reiterating his humility in terms of perceptions of people which is uh, somewhat, you might say, counter to what you see in the modern church, where a lot of ministers elevate themselves on a pedestal. Right. And then that's unfortunate. Um, continuing on verse 7, uh, Lest I should be exalted above measure, though the abundance of the revelations there are given unto me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart, so obviously he, he wants it to leave whatever this trial might be that he is buffeted from the messenger of Satan, according to verse seven. But verse nine says, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So Paul says, most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power, keyword power, as was before strength of Christ might rest upon me. The Bible says that God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. Correct. So as we had just read from verse 5 through, through 7, you see a strong emphasis of Paul's humility. So Paul's saying, I don't want to glory in myself. I don't want to be exalted above measure. I am humbling myself. And you see in verses 9 through 10, you see the grace appearing mm -hmm. in that part. So in order for us to receive the grace of God, we first have to humble ourselves. You can't even be right. saved without humility. So in verse 9, you see, my grace is sufficient for thee for, and my strength is made perfect in weakness, that the power of God or Christ might rest upon me. So grace, according to verse 9, is a synonym for the strength or the power of Christ. Right. And and my life, I have seen 
always those who carry the true grace or the true power of God also carry a great humility about them because God cannot trust or entrust his power to someone who is not humble. Therefore, he will never give grace except but to the humble. In verse 10, he continues by saying, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then Then I I am am strong. strong. Amen. So basically what Paul was saying through all of this was that he was reminding himself and his readers, those that were reading this message, that It was God's grace working through him. And that's why the weakness or the infirmity or whatever this thing was that buffeted him was allowed to remain because that he had such great revelation and had been used by God so mightily, the power of God flowing through him in healings and even raising a man from the dead and and all of this deep revelation. It says that to remind him himself that this is not coming from him, but from God, but also others There was something that he couldn't do even for himself. Nobody knows exactly what that is. Some people believe that it could have been his blindness or a physical infirmity. And we don't know, but that would make sense in the the aspect of he can't take credit for being the healer. Though God is using him to heal people if he cannot even heal himself. That it's really some power flowing through him and not something that he himself controls or wills. Like the Holy Spirit is not this little thing in our hand that we will, but we are this little thing in God's hand that we yield to him and allow him to use us and to work through us. So grace is this force and this power that doesn't just give us favor Mm -hmm. and position us, but it actually flows through us to affect the world around us. And that's that power that we speak of. In fact, this was the original purpose of man. When you look at the word Adam in the original Hebrew, in the ancient Hebrew language, each letter had a a symbol meaning to it. So the first one represented God because God is first. So the A for Adam was representative in the word God. And then the D uh, was representative of a door. And then the uh, M was representative of water or something flowing through. So when you look at those letters and the other letters were added later, those were the original letters to spell the name. The, the ancient Hebrew. The, the ancient Hebrew of the name Adam. So those three letters together give you a story that man was created to be that thing, that door that God would flow through like a river to affect the physical world. So God, who is spirit, flows through the door, which is us, to affect the physical world. There's an old scripture in the Old Testament that says, be lifted up, you ancient gates, lift up your head, you ancient doors, that the king of glory might come through. Mm. Now, that's the exact same imagery that we're given in the prophecy in Ezekiel of the river of God flowing out of the door of the temple. This was fulfilled through Jesus because he was the second Adam. Because Adam fell, he messed this up. He failed to do this. He listened to the wrong spirit and something else, another power came through him and affected the physical world. That's where we get the fall of man and sin. But then Jesus comes back as the second Adam and he fixes it. He does it right. And at the crucifixion, something flows out of him. That river represents the Holy Spirit. It's the river of the Holy Spirit. And it's going out to affect the whole world. 
Now we have Christ in us, so we become the doors, and the Holy Spirit gets to flow through us and affect the world. And in actuality, we can see exactly how that all fits together in a prophecy given in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. This was a prophecy of the crucifixion. It says, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the Spirit of grace come on now and of supplication and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn son so we see this promise given of the holy spirit flowing out of jesus at his crucifixion like this river that's going to affect the whole world but Mm. in the old testament we see it described as the spirit of grace. grace so the holy spirit comes and we have it. And so why didn't we have grace before Jesus? Why didn't we have the Holy Spirit before Jesus? Because they're one and the same. Grace is the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. And that's what it really is. Right. We get the favor because we get the Holy Spirit, which brings us into the family of God. But that's just an aspect of it. That's not the wholeness of what it really is. Yeah, the, the wholeness would be this, is the adoption that we can all understand that we've been made sons and daughters of God at the salvation process to be converted. Uh, but more than that, if we're adopted into a family, what does mom and dad do? They provide the bedroom. They provide the food. They provide the clothes. They provide any of the needs of that child. Right. The spirit of grace is the Holy Spirit. Why? Because grace is the power that makes you holy. That's right. In the Bible, we are told of different spirits, right? There's a spirit Mm -hmm. of fear, and it makes the man fearful when it comes upon them. Right. There's a spirit of jealousy, and it makes the man jealous when it's an influencing spirit, right? In the original text, the Holy Spirit was actually written out as the spirit of holiness. Mm-hmm. Why? Because when that spirit comes upon you, it should influence you to holiness. It should make you holy. Right. That is what grace is. Grace mm. is the power to overcome to overcome sin and the influence. See, that's another part of the definition of grace. Grace is favor, power, and divine influence. That's mm-hmm. the definition of grace. So if you truly have the Holy Spirit... Then you will truly have grace, and then it will influence you, empower you, and give you the favor to be able to walk in holiness. And we see that very plainly written out in Scripture in Titus chapter 2, verse 11. So Titus chapter 2, verse 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us. So grace teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Now you can read all the rest of it, but that's the meat and potatoes of this passage. It says, The grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, that Christians should be sober, not drunk, of course, so we don't drink, righteously and godly in this present world. Right. And but and I think the rest of it is beautiful, too, because it even says to the end that it, it teaches us, it redeems us from all iniquity and purifies unto God a peculiar people that are zealous of good works. Well, yeah, that's an excellent point. The so, redemption is part of the teaching. So those are the two things. So grace uh, teaches and redeems. Right. Ultimately, this passage tells us that the purpose of grace is to teach us to be holy. 
Correct. to walk in righteousness, to do what God says is right, to forsake the lust, the sin, to stop listening to that evil spirit. It mm-hmm. empowers us to be able to do it, to be able to rebuke Satan and to resist him and to walk in righteousness. And it allows us to do the good works. He wants us to be zealous of the good works. Now, not every work is a good work. Yeah. We can be very busy doing things that God never told us to do, and it will bear no fruit. But right. if we hear from the Lord and we choose to have faith and obey, and then he empowers us to do what he said, and then it will be fruitful and it will do good works. And it, that will be the works that stand up on the final day. It says everything else is going to burn up, anything right. we try to do. But what grace empowers us to do will bear fruit and good fruit. Amen. You know, one of the most misinterpreted scriptures in regards to grace is the we're no longer under law, but under grace. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes I hear that with people who want to sin in peace and they don't like to be addressed as it relates to their willful sin in their lives. That's not grace. When the Bible says in Romans, we are no longer under law, but under grace, that doesn't mean you can sin. In fact, in the contrary, you're saying in the Old Testament, you weren't empowered by God. You, that was the law. But now that we're under grace, we are empowered by God. Therefore, we can overcome mm-hmm. sin. So it's it's quite the opposite where people would look at that verse and try to say, well, that means that we can sin in peace. But no, actually, when it says we're not under law, that doesn't mean we don't produce the works. It means the means by which the works are produced are no longer in our own flesh. The works that we produce are now done under the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. It comes down to this. When Adam chose to listen to the serpent and come under the influence of that other spirit, the power that began to flow through him and affect the world was sin, which is basically the anti-grace. It's the opposite of. It starts to influence the world, and that's where sin comes in and corruption and death and all of this the fruits of the flesh, right? The evidence that you are listening to are still connected to an unholy root. As Jesus said, you'll know the tree by the fruit. Check Mm. the fruit. If you have the fruits of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, then then you'll know the person is really uh, connected to the Holy Spirit, and that is what is flowing through them. So check what it is producing because it is a power from a spirit. The Holy Spirit produces what we would call grace, which produces the fruits of the Spirit and causes us to tend towards holiness and obedience to God. Anything else is because we're listening to the influence of another spirit, and that is what is flowing through us in sin and in the fruits of the flesh, which is you know fornication, drunkenness, lust, lasciviousness, all those things mentioned in Scripture. That's what was flowing through man from the fall until Jesus' redemption. So under the law, everyone was under the influence of that unholy spirit. So the power flowing through them was sin and the law was meant to show them don't do that. Mm. But they could, they didn't have the power to walk in it until Jesus comes and releases the Holy Spirit. Then his blood atones for us so that we can go boldly before the throne of grace to receive help in our time of trouble. Because of the atoning blood, we can now enter into the Holy of Holies and say, God, I'm sorry, I don't want to be like this. I need your power. I need to be empowered. I need your Holy Spirit. Right. We then receive it. Now we have the power. Now we have the influence. Now we have the personal conviction. Now we have the authority to say, get ye behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Now we can go then into the world and have power, authority, dominion, and might, 
and, and, you know, preach the gospel, everything Jesus told us, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and have the ability to say no to Satan. Right. He is now beneath us because we are no longer subservient to him, but Jesus through us gives us the power, not only to say no in our own lives, but for us to then affect others. That's what fruit does. If we have the fruit of the Holy Spirit, what is that? It is the reproduction of the tree. It carries the seed. So it's not only going to change us, but it should. It creates disciples. Right. It should change others through us. That's an excellent point about the seed, because if Jesus said, if you abide in me, you will produce much fruit. We know that later on, fast forward to Galatians, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. of course, in contrast to the works of the flesh, which are polar opposite, of course. But that said, if fruit of the Holy Spirit is the uh, expectation of that seed in our hearts, which is the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. but like you said, it's also meant to create new trees right. to plant. So as a Christian, when I produce fruit, I'm showing forth the, the, the evidence of my salvation to the world. Right. The Bible says that uh, let your uh, light so shine before men that others might see your faith. No, it says that others might see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. Right. So add that to the fact of not only they're seeing that I'm a Christian, but because of that, that seed of the fruit mm-hmm. will create a new tree. Right. Because it's giving them faith as they see it in the very spirit that produces the grace that then produces the fruit. So if our faith is in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus, then we're going to start to listen to what he teaches. Then he's going to empower us to obey it. And then that's going to produce the good works and the fruits and the right characteristics. We're going to be his disciples because we trusted what he said. He said, if you remain in my word and my words remain in you, in other you words, will ask what you will and it shall be done. Right, you. Then you will be my disciples and Amen. you'll produce much fruit and the father will, and this will please the father. Amen. So it's it all connects together. But that is the purpose of grace, which is the power of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. is always to tend back to teaching us to be holy. Correct. And if we do that, then we will produce the good fruit or the good character, and others will see it and begin to desire it. Right. So in summary, you could say this. The grace is not a sweeping of your sin under the rug of excusal by Jesus. No. That's what people, for whatever reason, have applied that word grace, and, oh, we're under his grace. No, that's mercy. Mm -hmm. And mercy is not giving us what we deserve, and grace is giving us what we don't deserve. That's Mm -hmm. the difference. So if we were talking about a, a, oops, I'm sorry, my bad God, that's mercy. Right. That's not grace. Grace is him saying, you have my power. You need to apply it next time. Right. This is fixing what messed up in the fall. Right. It all comes back down to this, right? The Bible says that if we have the Holy Spirit, you'll know the tree by the fruit, what, what it is. You'll have the fruits of the Spirit. Right. But it also tells us that there are wolves in sheep's clothing and all that, and they produce bad fruit. It gives you a list of right. the fruits of the flesh. So you're going back to good and bad fruit. You're all the way back to the Garden of sure. Eden again. So are you going to listen to God and partake of the good fruit and spread the good fruit? Or are you going to listen to Satan and partake of the bad fruit and spread the bad fruit? It all comes back down to, do we believe what God says? And what is belief? What is trust? But faith. Yes, we are saved by faith, but faith will cause you to believe God. And if you believe God, that will cause you to obey God. That will cause you to receive God, which will cause him to then entrust you with his grace to do what he told you to do in the first place. Amen. Or it'll go the other way and you'll partake of the bad fruit 
and you're still stuck under law and sin and the curse of death because there's no redemption from it except through the blood of Jesus. That's right. So when you're having a conversation with people about sin or willful sin and you get the response of, oh, hey, brother, we're, we're, into, the God, we're into God's grace, the proper response would be then, why didn't you overcome it? Because that's what grace is designed to do in the life of a believer is to overcome sin, to resist the devil. Jesus said you will know the tree by, by the fruit. fruit. That's right. If the fruit is not there, grace was not there. Correct. Because the Holy Spirit was not there. So what they're, what they're depending upon and what they're really leaning on is the mercy of God, not the grace of God. Because if they're in willful sin, what they're really hoping is that his mercy comes kicks in and not giving us the judgment that we deserve for being willful sinners. But the truth is this, is that God's mercy is to maybe give us one more chance to receive exactly. his grace, but Correct. ultimately it is the grace that saves us. Correct. But it has to be true grace, not our imagination of what grace yes. ought to be. It, it's We have to humble before right. him before we can receive grace. Grace only comes through humility, and Correct. humility doesn't make its own rules. That's right, and it'll start with mercy. We receive God's grace because he gave us of his mercy. And well, let me say it this way, faith, grace, and works, relationship, God gave me three A's. Access, acquire, apply. If you look at it as three A's, first access, secondly acquire, and third apply, it's faith, grace, and works. So watch this. Faith is the accessibility of his spirit. Grace is the acquisition of his spirit. And works is the application of that spirit. Amen. So by faith, we have access to his spirit. By grace, we acquire his spirit and the work is the application of that spirit. Right. Believe, receive, obey. Amen. Well, that said, that is the message of God's grace. That is the proper biblical context of what his grace is. Grace is not a license to sin. It's not to excuse our sin, but it is truly the power of God to help us overcome that sin to deny ungodly lust, teaching us to live soberly and righteous in this present day and age. Amen. We thank you guys for joining us on this podcast for Heart of Worship Church Media. Uh, we pray a blessing upon you and all of your family. Thank you for listening. Y'all could reach out to us at any time. Send us your prayer request, pray at heartofworshipchurch.com. Or if you'd like uh, general information or just to reach out, info at heartofworshipchurch.com. Thank you all very much for joining us. We'll catch you guys on the next one. God bless. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.